Welcome to Rev Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann, the podcast where entrepreneurs, business leaders, and HR professionals share tips, strategies, and trends in their area of expertise. They also talk about their successes and struggles along their career and business journey. If you love to learn through storytelling and find people fascinating, join us. Welcome back to another episode of Rev Up Your Potential. Today, my guest is Stephanie Weiss. She is the founder of Empowered Leaders Academy, where she guides emerging leaders who are adapting to their new leadership role with the increase of responsibilities and the stressors that inspire, influence, and build extraordinary teams that will achieve results faster, all while being confident and in control as a new leader. You got it. She really wants to help you be a better leader. And welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me, Hilda. How are you today? I am great. And how are you? Very well. Thank you. Very interesting how Stephanie and I met. We've only known each other for what, about a three month? weeks? Yeah. <laughs> a month? There was an email, uh, sorry, a LinkedIn post, Mm -hmm. and the LinkedIn post was a little flyer, you know, like 10 words, essentially saying ineffective leaders are like this, and effective leaders are like this. And it just, it was Friday at four o'clock in the afternoon, but it pushed a hot button, how many ineffective leaders really need to control things. They need to say tell you what to do and they don't inspire you. And so I I responded to it with three paragraphs about ineffective leaders, effective leaders, and how people who are effective uplift and motivate. Stephanie was one of the first few people that responded. And we had a dialogue back and forth and said, we were fired up. (laughs) We were, weren't we? You know, this is Friday at four o'clock local time. Stephanie's in the East Coast or the West Coast. So it was only one in the afternoon, but it was very late in my day. So we both agreed that we were very passionate and we really needed to talk about leadership. And that's our focus today. So really listen in because we're going to share our passions. But let me tell you about this post. And I'll let Stephanie share about this post too. So within two hours, over 20,000 impressions, people that their hot buttons were pushed by, I guess, not just the flyer, but my comments on it. People were saying, saying, this is the realest post I've ever read. And after about a week and a half, when it finally dwindled off, there are over 90,000 people who have seen it in LinkedIn and 1,400 people who gave it a thumbs up or, you know, a a little heart-shaped thing and over 80 comments between me responding back and people. Stephanie, your thoughts when you saw this and, and getting comments back and forth. What bothered me the most was because so many people were fired up over it. That to me, that tells me that there are still so many bad leaders out there. Why are these bad bosses still getting out there and and bringing toxic cultures to our organizations? We have so many amazing people out there who can make change. And I want to bring all of us together to make that impact, to start making the best leaders for our teams, because everybody deserves to work for a good leader, a great leader, someone who supports them and inspires them. 
And when I saw that post, that was the first thing that popped into my head was, no, not another one. But it's so true. And those are the ones that get so much traction. What struck me about your comment, Hilda, on that post was talking about not just the average age of a new leader being 36, more or less, of course, but the average, but the fact that the average age of when new leaders get training to be a leader was four years later. Yeah. Why does it take four years for the organizations to figure out that these new leaders need training? That boggles my mind. Who's going to stay in the role long enough to do that? What I'm hearing from people who aren't yet leaders, when I ask them about, are you looking at focusing on you know, moving to leadership? You know, What's your long-term goals? I, I still have a team of people. I work at a corporate job still. And so when I'm asking them for their long-term career goals, nobody wants to go into leadership anymore. They want to just do what they do and walk away. And when I dig a little further and ask why, I'm like, you can do it. You have the potential. What's holding you back? And they say, well, I look at what all of the leaders do and it looks miserable. They're in meetings, piles of work. They're they're not doing leadership things. Mm-hmm. And that's not the leader I would want to be. And I agree with them. I totally agree with them because I see it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing with with them is that that four years of not having some training, some ability to figure out who am I and what kind of leader do I want to be and learning about different leadership styles, how to motivate and uplift. And four years without training, that's a hell of a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes that you're made, and maybe some moments where you say, Oh my God, you know, why can't, why can't I enjoy what I'm doing? Why am I so stressed out? Why are people yelling at me? Why am I worried about what am I going to say to her about the performance concerns that I have? You know, so much lack of support, guidance, and helping people gain confidence in what they need to do. So, you know, share with me. So you and I just hooked on and said, wow. Why are 90,000 people seeing this and thinking, I got to read this and I got to read on and people saying, well, you know, this is so true. And I wished I hadn't experienced this, but I have, you know, and that wasn't the good stuff. It was really the ineffective leaders. So you and I decided we need to do something. This is obviously a hot topic. So share with me your experience. um, Um in terms of leadership and why you ended up becoming, you know, mm-hmm. in a leadership role and creating this business for yourself, Empowered Leaders Academy. Absolutely. So I always wanted to move up. I, I'm the typical, stereotypical firstborn child, so the, the whole thing, you know, I want to achieve. I like challenge. I like change. And so all of my roles, I started out as a chemist, I moved into a computer programming, I moved into the business side and business as a business analyst, and went on from there and got promoted because I was good at doing what I did. Most people are. When you're promoted to your first leadership role, it's because you were good at being an individual contributor. I don't know why they think that's going to make you a good leader. (laughs) That's a totally different topic. But that's where my journey took me as most people's normal journey is. And I became a leader and I thought, wow, I've had so many past jobs and so many past bad bosses. My husband and I joke about this all the time. He's like, how did you know how to be this good leader that 
your team loves you. And I said, well, I think it's because I had so much experience with bad bosses, not because I had a bunch <laughs> Sorry, of good bosses. Sad. It's not a, it's it's not a joke. It's it sad. Yeah. I, I've had a couple sprinkle in of good bosses, but because I had so many bad ones, I knew what I didn't want to do and how I wanted to do it differently. So I don't wish that on anybody. So please don't think having a bunch of bad bosses is going to make you a better leader. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that at all. But when I became a leader, I wanted to do everything differently. I think every generation does that to their parents too. Like, I don't want to do things the way my parents did it, you know, so same old story. But when I got into leadership, I was green like everybody else. I didn't get training on how to be a leader. I got training on how to do time cards, approve vacation requests, what's the law in the state of California for lunch hour and all of that good stuff. That's the kind of training you get. Or an onboarding when I moved to the company I'm at now, there was an onboarding program for leaders and it consisted of them sending me a book, which at least was was good there. Um, but nobody asked me if I read the book or anything like follow up, anything I thought about it. It was just, okay, put this on your bookshelf kind of thing. So when I was developing my team of people, I was making the team bigger because they needed it. They they were kind of in shambles when I started there, which one of the reasons they hired me in. And so I got to create two team leads and I got to teach them how I do things because they had seen me already as their leader in their leadership role and they wanted to do things my way, but I told them they had to become their own people. They had to be their own leader. They couldn't be me. I appreciate that they liked my style and I could tell them things I I did and why I did them. So behind the scenes, I explained to them why I did things, but still let them choose what kind of leader they wanted to be. And that was really fun for me, developing new leaders. And I've already gotten to see one get promoted up and now he's an equal to me at the company It's on another team. And I think it's fabulous and he's doing wonderful. I just want to keep doing that. I wanted to keep building other leaders. My current company has a mentoring program that I've joined and been in every year I've been there. And every year I get one to two mentees that sign up to, that get to assign to me. And whether they want to go into leadership or not, I like helping them and coaching them, which is what I do for my entire team, even if they don't want to go in leadership. What do you want to do? How can I help you? How can I develop you? And I sort of think good leaders should be doing. But I started this business because sadly, my company's restructuring is happening. Of course, everybody goes through it. Um, and my team is being broken into three groups. I've already lost two thirds of my team in the transition. I've got the last third with me mm -hmm. now. And we don't know what's next for us. They're not going to let us go. But I don't know what the next role is that I would even have an opportunity to do. I'm not going to get to choose. <laughs> I'm not going to be like interviewing and picking in my own new job. But I wanted to control my own destiny. And I did a lot of soul searching in that period of time of contemplating what would I do next. And I decided maybe I could do something with wine. <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> I, I was hiring some coaches to help me figure out what to do with a business. And the more they listened to me, they said, Stephanie, you do know you're a coach, right? And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not a coach. I'm a, I'm a manager. I'm a leader. And they're like, yeah, but what you do is develop and mentor other people. And light bulbs were going off, you know, it was like, you're right. 
I, that's what I love, my passion about what I do in my job. It's not to make the money for the company or to get the results at the end of the day. It's to make sure my people are taken care of, that they have the psychological safety in place, that they're supported, that they want to do the best they can do, which ends up giving the company more money and all the numbers yes, at the end yes, of the year. For sure. But that's what I wanted to do was do this all the time. So I started this business on the side. When you were talking, the passion lit up. And the passion lit up particularly when you are supporting others to find their own unique identity as a leader. Not to emulate you as a leader, but mm -hmm. to find their true strengths, their true calling as a leader. And that, you know, oftentimes people think they're a manager because they control and boss, you know, and manage the project and manage the people. You know, I created my own training program uh, based on the Rev Up process, and we'll talk a bit about that later. But the focus was really to help people uplift and motivate and mm -hmm. truly as a leader, and I call it people leadership skills, not people management skills. We're not managing people. We're leading them, which means we're guiding them and giving them opportunities to identify and reach their potential. So what our greatest role is as a manager isn't controlling the budget, controlling the people. It's nurturing them so that they, like your example is, now this person is equivalent to me. And is he a mini Stephanie? No. Yeah. This person has his own style, his own way of being a leader. And to me, it's more gratifying to create a relationship where you're building somebody and seeing, reaping the rewards of that and the relationship is a lot easier than when you're managing somebody. And it's a lot more rewarding for both you as a manager and you as an employee. So I think, you know, I think we have to have this mental mind shift as a manager. I'm not here to manage you and control you. I'm here to help you develop and nurture your true best self, which in turn, as you say, helps the company. Because you're going to be more productive, more engaged. And let's face it, the bottom line is actually better. The profit is there. The sales are there. And if you're not turning over people and replacing them, those dollars saved. Yes. And, and the seniority of the people that stay is helping you increase the bottom line. If you read any of the magazines, Forbes and Times, you see those companies that are people-centric and operations-centric are good. You know, when you talked about, about it earlier, you were talking about the things you were taught as your first-time manager were operations, mm -hmm. administrative details, not about guiding and nurturing staff. So, you know, I'm, I'm so uh, happy that you shared that with the group because these are important things and really soul-searching. Why is it that People are promoted because they have the technical skills in whatever industry and, and role. And then they have the mat project management, the operation side, side nailed down. But where is core competencies related to people? Is that 
you know, high up on the list? Is it anywhere in the top five? You know, It's not even in the job description half the time when you read it for a, a manager position. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and you, I know when we developed your performance evaluation tool and we shared that with our staff, people leadership, uh, team collaboration, getting yes. along with others. These were in the job, you know, evaluation. And therefore, it was an expectation. I'll, uh, one funny aside, we also had submitting timesheets on time. as <laughs> <laughs> Because if they didn't, we'd say, hey, you could have got an extra, you know, a little bit more in your salary increase if you just had a corporate responsibility of submitting your timesheets. Because when you don't, we can't invoice our clients. So you are holding up our company's ability to to be more effective in getting money that pays you, for example. Absolutely. What was the defining moment for you? Um, I, I guess you shared that, but but was there another moment when you decided, I need to not do wine, <laughs> but I need to do <laughs> coaching and, and, and helping people be the best leaders they can? Yeah, it... I had been just soul searching. I was grasping at anything at the moment. It was that down moment where I'm realizing I had been working for several years developing this team that had been left in shambles from the way it had been managed previously. No offense to the previous leader. That was a, an awkward situation she had been put in anyway. Um, but she left the team and the company the team morale was so low. They It needed to happen. It was just natural order of things. When they brought me in, there was a survey that the team, well, everybody at the company gets every single year. And I love that part about this company. It's amazing. They do this. It's anonymous survey. That's the same questions every year so they can see trends of how things are moving up or down. You get asked about your own motivation, morale. You get asked about how you feel your direct leader is doing, how you feel senior leadership is doing, corporate leadership, the whole bit. When I found out that they had had this survey, I asked for the results for right before I got there. And when I got the results, they had rated their own effectiveness at 47%. Who's they? The team. Um, the team, okay. Their own, just for themselves, that they were not effective. They had rated the leadership at about the same in the four, high 40s. It might have been 49%. Mm-hmm. So that's what they thought of leadership. I had been there. I started at the beginning of November. The survey comes out every July. So when I got the next year's survey, the results were in the 90s. Wow. Wow. I had looked at what their lowest scoring things were on the survey and I brought it to every team meeting. What? Tell me about this one. What is it about this one that you rated so low? What would you like to see different? I know you guys have ideas. Tell me. And I listened to them. We did it together. It wasn't me doing it. I was just driving them to make the changes they needed, that they wanted, that they were hoping to have in the company and the organization. We couldn't change everything. I can't change corporate leadership, but I can change their perception of it because some of it was they weren't being told things and it just wasn't being trickled down. So some of it was just lack of communication. So there were things that we put in place, processes we did, uh, so much work. But even in one year, just by being listened to, 
heard, supported, amazing results within one year. It was kind of funny. Um, my boss wrote it's me. It's so nice to have it validated, right? It's mm-hmm. not just, oh, everybody feels good, right? It's yeah. it's the validation. And it was and anonymous, so any one of them could have said, yeah. no, I still yeah. don't feel that yeah. way. But they yeah. all did. That's how great it was. But my boss wrote me a handwritten thank you note. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And I made a comment to one of my colleagues, and they were like, he never gives thank you notes, not even electronic ones. You got a handwritten one? <laughs> so they noticed. They could tell something was going on. I think the second defining moment for me, Hilda, in that situation was somebody else on my direct team that also reports to my boss noticed the shift in my team, not the scores. And he may have, I don't know if he had access to the scores too, but he could tell the difference in the team. The morale, because the, we, we work closely with all other teams. We're not in a silo all by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he actually approached me on the side and said, can we go to lunch? I want to talk to you about what you're doing differently. He was a brand new leader right before I started. And he only knew the leadership at this company. This is where he started as an individual contributor out of college, everything. So this is all he knows. And he said, you're doing something different. I've tried to emulate this person's leadership. I've tried to emulate that person's leadership. I'm not getting the results I can see in your team. I want to know what you're doing. And this that to me was, I can help other people. This is where it helps for new leaders to really get the coaching, the support. And and there's got to be better ways, you know. I, I I love some of the things you said. And it just reminds me of when my husband and I had our our engineering company, iTrends. You know, our premise was, wouldn't it be nice if we created <laughs> a company where people loved what they did and loved where they worked? And so we got to create that. That's right? amazing. And, Thank you, thank you. And and what we did was we felt that people were saying things, and the 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 feelings at the company were yes, what we said we wanted to do. People feel like they're pro, you know growing and feeling nurtured and valued, as well as people are loving the work that they do with each other. And we would get little validations of these kinds of things. Um, for example, one of the things that I used to do was always, I'll, I'll be politically correct now, I would write holiday cards mm-hmm. uh, for every individual. And mm-hmm. in it, I would write something that they knew they were special. Thank you for your being, you know, the the head of our yellow team for our United Way. Or thank you for that that excellent job you did on Project ABC. And I walked around uh, one year and I saw this holiday card in May. And I thought, you know, and I went, I went over to her. I said, Christine, I said, um, you know, that, that card's still up there. Um, and she looked embarrassed. She said, oh, well, um, I, I really like it because when I'm feeling like I need a boost, I go and read it and it makes me feel good. And then it made me feel good because Obviously, I made them feel special, and it's so special that you know they put that up. 
So just it's those little things that make people feel important. And as leaders, we have that opportunity to do so. So I'm finding it really interesting that this manager saw the change in your staff and decided, yeah, you know, I got to talk to you because whatever you're doing. And, and remember that trial and error? He watched this person, tried that, didn't, you know, uh, like it and watched another person and tried that and it, it wasn't him, right? So this is great. I'm, I'm glad that you're sharing this. I hope that people are getting a lot out of this because I think Stephanie and I are diving in deep and talking about managers and how we need to support each other and manage. And manage isn't the right word, is lead. Mm-hmm. Support, nurture, make people feel special. And that kind of brings us to my rev up concept. Rev up is based on the success my husband and I had creating that best workplaces in Canada. And like you, it's it's good to have quantifiable information. And we had this great feeling about our company. We were proud. Our staff were proud. It was like special, a special company. We thought, well, let's go out and test that. And we went with what's called best workplaces in and ours happens to be Canada, but they have one for the United States, mm-hmm. Japan, Brazil, and so many other countries around the world. And the results came in at number nine, which was amazing. Thank you. We were celebrating our 10th year and like to get a recognition like that, everybody was just beaming. And we read all the things and everything was usually in the like, like the green light, blue light area, like 90s or whatever. But there were two areas that needed help. And so we addressed those two areas. And the second year, we were number four Uh. because we looked at those. And thank you. And those were things that were important to people. And so people know it was actually their compensation linked to their performance evaluation and performance evaluations on a timely basis. We were doing it backwards. We wanted to make sure people got compensated on their anniversary date because we knew our our VPs and and senior managers would not get their their evaluations done on time. (laughs) So people didn't know why they got whatever percent Mm -hmm. increase they got or got promoted. They didn't really know for sure, especially when they didn't get that much. They didn't know. Right. Right. So we said, okay, let's create the process, streamline it so that we are doing performance evaluations on time. And then the compensation makes more sense. And that significantly moved us from nine to four in the subsequent years. So so there is something to be said for having, you know, quantifiable data and to do something about it. That's important. Ask them, listen to them. Yes. And that's another key thing you talked about, inclusivity, listening to people, not telling them what to do, but inviting them and creating a we culture, a team effort, as opposed to I'm the boss. This is what I've decided or, okay, thanks for your input. Okay. I'm still going to do it this way. Although they paraphrase it, but essentially, Mm -hmm. yeah. Any struggles you've had along the way in your career, you know, because sharing those helps us know how we might deal with situations or we've had one and knowing that we've got company or we could do things a little differently or or just get more positive about putting that behind us. Any- yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it sounds easy, right? Everything I said is, oh, just listen to them and just do with it. No, it's not as simple as that. <laughs> There's so much work behind that. 
And even with a good culture and a team who is su supportive of each other, of me and me of them, we still had people that had to be put on a, what we call them corrective actions. Some company calls them performance improvements, whatever that process is your company does. I've had to do that. I've had to put three different people on a program of something's not working. We need to fix it. I might approach it a little differently than others do. It's not a, I wrote you up. And if I write you up again, you're you know going to get docked pay or a third time you're fired. You know, it, I don't do it that way. I approached it as there's something that we're observing that's not meeting expectations. Fill me in. Tell me the rest of the story. I'm, I lead with facts only. You can't go in with the story you tell yourself because we do that in everyday life. We put stories around what we see. If someone's, you know, hands are shrugged, I'm the one that's cold all the time. So I realize that's probably because they're just cold. They're not mad or upset. Um, if they don't look at you, if they don't say hi to you in the morning, it doesn't mean that they're being rude or mean. It's interpreting all that. So take out all the emotions, anything that can be considered an adjective, that's part of the story you tell yourself. So you have to take that out of the situation. And just talk about the facts. You're always 10 minutes late to the team meeting. What's going on there? Um, I see this report always late or something still isn't turned in and it's been reminded you know, a couple of times now. Just the facts. And then we talk about the situation, what's going on. So you have to have these difficult conversations with your team. You can't just say, it'll be okay. They'll figure it out. They're adults. You have to have hard conversations. Yeah, yeah. It's part of life in every relationship you have, but especially as a leader with your team, you can't ignore negative things because what you ignore, you're allowing. What you're allowing, you're enabling. And everybody else sees it. You can try to sweep it under the rug all you want, but everybody else notices. Every one of those people, after a one month to three months, sometimes corrective action process, at the end, each person thanked me for going through the process. That was a surprise to me because most mm -hmm. people don't thank you for putting them through that. But they did because they appreciated the support they got, that they weren't blamed. There was no finger pointing. And it was, this is the stage in that kind of conversation where you do have to micromanage a little because there is an issue. And it's more just checking in, constant checking in. How can I help you? What can we do differently? What's not working? How can we set things up so that you are successful? For one person, it got to the point where I, I had to finally ask, do you want to do this? Because if you don't, we're driving to a solution that's never going to happen. Maybe what is best is if you go to a different role, a different team, or something's rewritten. You can't just get, get this off your plate and never have to do this task anymore. It is your job. So is this what you want to do? And it got to that point and we resolved it and everything was, was going well. She eventually later, a year later, did leave the company, but it was all in, like, she still actually just contacted me last week <laughs> and wanted to know how I was doing and how the team was doing because we still have that good relationship, even though I was writing her up technically. Yeah. I mean, you've just shared some really valuable tips for managers. You know, you talked about something i forgot the exact choice of words but you say something's not working i think is how you say something's not working and we need to fix it you didn't say you're late and this cannot continue right mm -hmm. there there is a sense of respect 
a sense of trust, a sense of we are in this together, right? So your your approach is very similar to mine. It's people avoid dealing with difficult conversations. And I think the word says when you ignore it, then you are you you are condoning it. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And then when you avoid discussing it, you're enabling it. Mm-hmm. And so I when I'm talking about difficult conversations, I like you start from a place of neutrality. Yep. That's probably the hardest thing of a difficult conversation. And when you're in control of starting that discussion, then you have the time to think about how will I say it, strip it of its adjectives, don't make a judgment and just say neutrally. I noticed that in the last three weeks, you've been late three times. What's happening? And then it's open. You haven't said you, you know, you're late. This is unacceptable or you're lazy. You know, there is no judgment. And then my second tip is always listen and then listen some more. Don't formulate how you're going to answer the question. Just listen, just listen. Right. So, I mean, that's why you and I hit it off because we (laughs) really think about ineffective leaders. We think about how we can enable people to be more effective leaders. And I know that I talk about my rev up process, but I want to spend time talking about emotional quotient, because I think that's a passion for you when you're what helps guide you. So tell us a little bit more about emotional quotient. Absolutely. So EQ, also emotional Emotional intelligence. It's it's all interchangeable there. Um, Slight variation differences for some people who want to really get into the details. But EQ is for everybody. Every single person, children, even though their brains haven't formed all the prefrontal cortex yet and haven't been able to formulate all that, we all need to be able to realize that emotions are not bad or good. So being happy isn't always good. Being sad or angry is not always bad. Emotions are human. They are natural occurring parts of being a human body. You have a heart, mind, body, and soul. And emotions are real. You have to stop judging them. You have to allow them. What you do with emotional intelligence is realize how you portray different emotions. The hardest part is identifying, and they actually tell you to name your emotion. So right now in this moment, whoever's listening right now, what are you feeling right now? Where in your body do you feel whatever that emotion is? And to realize how or why you are in that emotion. Once you can do that and state, I feel light as air. That's usually, you know, maybe a happy. Some people, that's their happy. Some people happy are crying. That doesn't mean sad. Sometimes you're so happy you're crying. It happens. But realize your triggers, your ways of how you portray emotions, because not everybody's the same. When you can start doing that with yourself, then instead of judging one of those emotions as bad, you can just start regulating emotions and move that into the, I know I just got off a phone call and I am fired up angry, Mm -hmm. but I'm getting ready to go into another call. I have to be able to regulate my mood and understand not to take that anger into that call because that's not where it belongs, but don't bottle it up. Find a way to be able to visit, revisit that emotion and deal with it. 
but be able to regulate it for the next moment because of something you have to do, or you can't, and you need to step away from that next call and not go into it because that anger emotion doesn't belong there. So that's how you regulate. That's the second phase. Then you can start realizing other people and their emotions and realizing their emotions are also not good or bad, right or wrong, never judging, not for them either. So you walk into a meeting and somebody's acting off, not the way they normally are. It may not have anything to do with you. It could be something completely outside of that. So realize they are real. They are human also. And they're having emotions. Who knows what just happened with them? So making sure it's okay for other people to feel emotions. Then you, if you can get to that point where you've got all of those wonderful things under control, you can reach nirvana and do social awareness, people awareness, and take EQ to the step of it, realizing how your emotions impact others, how their emotions impact you, how to read a room, how to anticipate a customer's mood, if that's what the service industry you're in, um, how, you know, your mom's mood, <laughs> all of those different <laughs> things, whoever you have to interact with and being able to use that for negotiation skills, for leadership skills, for conflict management, change management. So you hear in the news all the time, uh, a CEO wrote this horrible memo to the company about some bad news and it went all over social media. We've seen them a lot lately. Yeah. And we're all attacking that. Oh, how they knew they shouldn't have written it that way. How could they ever do that? Well, maybe they're just a little lower in EQ than the rest of us. But then you hear the story about the great CEO. The company isn't doing well. I don't want to lay you guys off. What do you want to do? And some people are like, well, I'll take a pay cut or we'll take turns taking time off throughout the year to save the company money. And everybody's like applauding that CEO. Yay, good job. You did it well different style of leadership, it's also EQ. They led from the heart, understanding how people were going to react and emote to it and use that as a powerful influence to make decisions, the power of EQ. And and we're we're running out of time, but I do want to share that. We could talk you know, forever. Yes, we could. <laughs> uh, EQ is a valuable tool, as are other things. Absolutely. The one concern people who are listening might say, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not a, a people person like a person who's really into people. You know, I, I find I'm more introverted or I use fascination advantage. And in, in the, the words of fascination, we call people mystique where they more or less, they're an analytical. They like to do lots of research. They keep their feelings to themselves and when when they're stressed in fact their feelings even get closer to themselves so they may be saying well i don't know i can't build my eq i just want to say that there are ways that you can still be a caring effective leader you know each one of us has our strengths and our abilities and when we look at in the words of Rev Up, look at the uniqueness that we have and tap into that potential and be true to ourselves. That's when we can actually be confident, trusting relationship, 
uplifting managers. So mm-hmm. EQ is a valuable, powerful tool, but so are so many thing, other things. You as a manager need to be on a continuous journey to really be more effective. You know, you if you really want to be a manager that loves what they do, you you got to come to the very end of this discussion because Stephanie and I have given you so many ideas, strategies, and tips. Like I found our conversation so, so great because we get to talk about things that we really truly believe will help people, but I think it's very valuable. So Stephanie, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, gosh, absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn primarily as my social media. You can find me at Stephanie D. Weiss. That's my personal profile. My company name is Connections with Stephanie LLC. So you can find my company page on LinkedIn at Connections with Stephanie. If you want to find me on Facebook, I'm there too on both of those same profiles. I'm going to dabble in Instagram. I'll get there, people. I promise. I keep being told I need to be there. Um, But if you just want to find my website, you'll find all the socials linked there as well. So empoweredleaders.academy. So my profile picture behind me, whichever side, this side. That's right. (laughs) Empoweredleaders.academy is my website. And you can find everything out about the academy I want to be building because I want to build a community of new leaders who are going to help the next generation of leaders, who will help the next generation of leaders, because it starts with you as that first new and emerging leader to want to take servant leadership to heart and make it a reality. And then you'll develop like I am, the next set of leaders. And because of that development, they're going to develop the next leaders to be better. We're not going to have these bad bosses anymore. We're going to take over (laughs) and we can do it. Yes, we need to make sure there are more and more bosses out there that care about people, that care about seeing their their team grow into, you know, positions of leadership as they move forward in their own career. And that's so gratifying. We have the power as leaders to make a difference. And I am so glad you you were a a, a, a responder of my <laughs> my post in a way that spoke to me like we were we had the same belief system we we cared about empowering leaders to be better at at uplifting motivating and creating a team that that just is a joy to work with. So Stephanie, thank you. Thank you so much for having this conversation that really I think we're going to is going to help leaders, future leaders, existing leaders be the better versions of themselves. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing that post so that we found each other. (laughs) I know this is like the second or third conversation we've had just chatting and getting to know each other and Every time we could probably talk for days, but I I always enjoy speaking with you, Hilda. Thank you. And to all of your listeners, thank you for your time. And I hope some of this resonates with and and helps you to move forward because we do this together. We don't do this on our own. Before we go, Stephanie, share the the live that you did with me uh, a little about a week or so back. Share it? Yeah, so that people can find it also. If they liked our conversation and want more. We did a lively conversation. So it's, it's on my website and it's also on my LinkedIn profile. So if you go to empoweredleaders.academy, 
and then go to the events page. There's the listing of all my past live streams. You'll see Hilda's face, so you'll know exactly which one it is. <laughs> and just click it in and the replay will start. And you can start watching the whole thing, the recording. And you can still comment on it and ask questions. And that way, we'll get that notification and I can share it with Hilda and we can reach back out to you if you have any questions about that one. Yeah, we, we believe so strongly in this. So thank you again, Stephanie. And thank you to the listeners and the viewers today. I hope you got a lot out of it. And if you did comment in the comment section, share it with others, other managers, and then subscribe because I have a host of guests who have different perspectives, different levels of knowledge and experience in either leading, managing, or in HR. Something I think that will be valuable to you. So go ahead and subscribe, like, and thank you again for taking the time to listen to Stephanie and myself on a topic that obviously was kind of pushing a lot of hot buttons uh, a few weeks ago, and I think will continue. So she and I are on a mission to make it different. And you join should us. be too. Yes, join <laughs> us in our mission to make it a better world for people who are going to work and have leaders who are really nice. <laughs> Thank We're you. We're going to make a difference. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Rev Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and Spotify to stay up to date on our latest episodes. For HR tips, news, and strategies, or if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, visit our website at peoplebrightconsulting.com.